In a speech given in 1959, soon-to-be President John F. Kennedy said the following, When written in Chinese, the word crisis is composed of two characters. One represents danger, and one represents opportunity. Along with danger, crisis is represented by opportunity. Now, what did he mean? Well, a crisis nearly always means change is coming. And the truth is, there's always opportunity in change. When we hit a crossroads in our lives, there's a good chance that an even brighter path lays ahead. Okay, you might be thinking, hey, what's the deal? This is supposed to be a podcast about history, not philosophy. Well, the truth is that this very scenario played out more than 100 years ago for Father Nelson Baker. Crisis struck. One that threatened the status quo of what was then known as St. Patrick's Parish in the Buffalo, New York suburb of Lackawanna. But there was an opportunity there. One that would change the history of Western New York forever. On this episode of Father Baker Retold, let's learn a bit more about the building of one of the region's most beloved landmarks, the jewel of Venerable Nelson Baker's City of Charity, OLV National Shrine and Basilica. The Basilica's story actually begins back in 1874 in, of all places, Paris, France. It was at that time, and in that city, that Nelson Baker, a 32-year-old seminarian, visited as part of an American pilgrimage to Europe. Nelson and his fellow pilgrims were to stay in the fabled City of Lights for just one day. The plan, then, was to move on to Lourdes, France, some 500 miles south. But when it was discovered that the shrine there was overcrowded, the decision was made to stay a few extra days in Paris. It was a seemingly random happening, but one that changed everything. With more time on their hands, the pilgrims chose to visit a small but renowned church named Notre Dame de Vatois, or Our Lady of Victory. The experience was one remembered by Nelson for the rest of his long life. It is recounted by Robert Duran, the longtime editor of OLV's Victorian magazine. Nelson was amazed as he entered the shrine. His eyes focused on the statue of Our Lady holding baby Jesus in her arms atop the main altar. He knelt at the communion rail, gazing at the statue. His words came in a torrent of whispers. From now on, I shall devote my entire life to your service. I will spread devotion of Our Lady of Victory throughout America. Okay, let's fast forward more than 40 years. It's 1916, and disaster has struck. On April 8th, a fire in the belfry of St. Patrick's Church eventually caused the steeple to collapse. Fortunately, no one was injured and the blaze was contained. But the damage done was significant enough to require major repairs and force Father Baker to give thought to the future of the 60-year-old church. And boy, did he. Just a few weeks later, the humble priest called a meeting of key parishioners to discuss the future of St. Patrick's. Now, put yourself in the position of one of those attendees. You take your seat and prepare to hear about modest emergency expenditures, fast-paced demolition schedules, and maybe strategic renovation costs. Who knows? Maybe you even walk in with an idea about a new feature or two that could spruce up the old church. But what you wouldn't expect to hear is exactly what Father Baker unveiled to a stunned group. A bold, multi-million dollar, multi-year vision to build a monumental tribute to the Blessed Mother that would rival the most beautiful shrines of Europe right here in western New York. 
Months after he left Jaws on the floor at what was to be a routine parish meeting, Father Baker explained his plan like this. While Mary's praises resound over the entire land, this gratitude should manifest itself in the building and dedication of a national shrine in her honor, a shrine that will, in beauty, loveliness, and grandeur, be worthy to be consecrated to the Mother of God under the title of Our Blessed Lady of Victory. In the months that followed the fire, modest repairs were made to St. Patrick's, fixing only those areas needed for worship. And in truth, Father Baker's plans for a national shrine had to take a back seat to the horrific events of World War I and other projects at his city of charity, including the building of a maternity hospital to further expand the care provided at the OLV infant home. By 1920, nearing 80 years of age, Father Baker was finally ready to move forward on what would become his grandest dream. First, he needed someone to bring his vision to life, and for that he chose renowned architect Emile Ulrich. Born in France, Ulrich arrived in the U.S. in 1891, settling in Cleveland, Ohio. His resume at the time included some of that city's most impressive colleges, churches, and schools. From day one, Father Baker and Ulrich were on the same page about nearly every aspect of the magnificence of the future shrine, except for one, cost. Father Baker worried that the architect's lavish designs would be too expensive. In a letter to him, he wrote, I am afraid that your visits to these beautiful places and seeing all these magnificent works will get your ideas so high that we cannot meet them. And I know that you would like to see the work of our new shrine as beautiful as wealth could make it. Ulrich's response was a smart one. There is nothing I am not ready to do to please you, Father. And he was true to his word and produced a design that fit within the project's fiscal confines. A humorous note about the Basilica's initial design. When Father Baker took Ulrich's plan to his friend, Bishop William Turner, the bishop remarked that the shrine's twin towers seemed a bit too tall. Father Baker convinced him to overlook his concerns and bless the project, and he did. Funny thing, though, about 20 years later in the 1940s, a direct lightning strike to one of the towers caused significant damage to it. In response, both were shortened, resulting in those that could be seen today. I guess Bishop Turner got the last laugh. Anyway, back in January of 1921, and Father Baker is beginning to assemble his dream team of craftsmen and vendors. He handpicked one of St. Patrick's own parishioners, Edward Jordan, to serve as the general contractor. Other local partners included the Memorial Art Company, Mockwork Brothers for the Dome's signature Copper Angels, and the J.W. Danforth Company for heating and ventilation. Of those, did that last one sound familiar? It may, because J.W. Danforth still exists today, with the company even assisting with renovation projects at the Basilica that are going on right now as you listen to this podcast. More on that later, though. With a team in place, Father Baker shifted his focus to another key part of his plan, fundraising. Financing a project of this magnitude would be no easy task. Due to the everyday strain of caring for thousands of needy children and teens, very little money, if any at all, had been set aside to build the shrine. His first move was to reach out to those on whom he had relied in the past, the members of his Our Lady of Victory Association. The first appeal ran in OLV's national magazine, The Annals, in July of 1921. We have only to request our dear Lord to inspire our many devoted friends to erect this shrine as a loving testimony of their deepest gratitude for the blessings that have been bestowed upon them through Our Lady's sacred hands. 
The next year, Father Baker asked for $10 donations to furnish individual blocks of marble. His confidence in his benefactors allowed him to boldly move forward, and that confidence was well-placed. Donations came flooding in from across the country, permitting him to commission the Georgia Marble Company, which had supplied the materials used to build the statue of Abraham Lincoln found within the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C., for the exterior marble. The project's first major milestone came in August of 1921, when Bishop Turner joined hundreds of men and women religious, parishioners, politicians, and well-wishers in a special ceremony to bless the cornerstone. Well, construction was off and running, and by 1923, some of the shrine's more impressive details were being worked on. The Benzinger Marble Company of Italy was hired to create life-sized statues for the Stations of the Cross. To remain consistent with the architectural style of other such shrines, the Basilica features 14 stations, two more than what is traditionally seen. Also of note, Papini, the Italian artist responsible for their creation, and his school of sculptors took one full year to create each station. Each is a masterwork in its own right. To decorate the interior, a gentleman by the name of Ganapo Raji was commissioned. Of all of the wondrous pieces of art within the shrine, though, the biggest challenge was the artwork on the dome, depicting the Assumption of Mary. According to Richard Gribble's book, Father of the Fatherless, Raji was inspired by the faces of the children who were cared for at OLV Infant Home. He wrote to Father Baker, I would ask, feeling to please you, to use some of them as lovely models for the large crowd of angels around the Blessed Virgin in the dome. One last historical note. Of all of the hundreds of benefactors and craftsmen and women who helped the shrine come to life, the name of one in particular stands out. President Calvin Coolidge lent a personal hand to construction efforts when he, along with the members of Congress, permitted the shrine's marble to be imported into the country duty-free. After countless hours of labor, the shrine was completed and hosted its first-ever service, Christmas Day Mass, in 1925. The hope was to dedicate it on October 7th, the Feast of Our Lady of Victory, but the ceremony had to be delayed as construction continued. Another date that was then targeted for the dedication, March 19, 1926, was the 50th anniversary of Father Baker's ordination, but that had to be canceled as the 84-year-old priest had become ill. But finally, on May 25th, the big celebration was held. And what a party! Festivities began at 6 a.m. and ended up lasting more than 12 hours. Reflecting on that day, Father Baker wrote, Our Blessed Lady stood alone on the altar and viewed the immense concourse of people as they tell us that over 30,000 were trying to squeeze into the shrine. I felt that Our Lady was pleased with so much honor. Among the vast crowd of onlookers that day were nearly 400 clergymen, led by Cardinal Patrick Hayes of New York, who, in his sermon, gave the best description of Father Baker's most ambitious accomplishment. I know of no church like this, so beautiful, so uplifting, so glorious. I know of no other church like this, consecrated to the charities of Christ our Lord. It is a monument to the Buffalo Diocese, the city of Lackawanna, to our great Lady of Victory, and to a modern apostle of charity, Father Baker. As expected, once all was said and done, construction of such a magnificent landmark carried a heavy price tag. Sources estimated to have cost anywhere between $2.8 and $3.8 million, and that was back in 1925. Can you imagine that cost today? 
Now, one of the requisites for its dedication was that the shrine had to be completely paid for before the ceremony could even take place. And amazingly, it was. With help from generous supporters throughout Western New York and beyond, and thanks in no part to Father Baker's business savvy, the project, which had not one nickel saved to begin, was fully paid for by the time of its completion. It was no less than a miracle. In July of 1926, the Holy See officially designated the shrine as a minor basilica, making it just the second basilica in the United States at that time. And for those of you who were overly competitive, it missed out on being the first by just six months. About OLV Basilica, the Cardinal Secretary of State of the Vatican commented, Among the churches of America, the sanctuary of Our Lady of Victory is for many reasons to be counted as one of the greatest. Praise came from local sources, too, with the Buffalo Courier Express exclaiming, No expense has been spared to fit the shrine with the necessaries to enkindle devotion and to awaken in the human heart the sentiments which make religion paramount in the life of man. Today, the OLV National Shrine and Basilica is a fixture of the landscape of our region. It welcomes tens of thousands of visitors, churchgoers, pilgrims, and architecture buffs each and every year. And we are right now in the second year of a five-year celebration, marking 100 years since construction began and ended. With masses, concerts, art shows, and special events in its honor, the Basilica is reasserting itself as the center of our community. For more on all of that, check out www.olvbasilica100.org. Like any 100-year-old building, though, the Basilica is, with age, increasingly vulnerable to Western New York's difficult weather particularly the annual freeze-thaw cycle. Cracked and open seams lead to leaks, and leaks lead to damage throughout the shrine, both inside the walls and out. The good news? In honor of the centennial celebration, an aggressive restoration effort is underway that will focus on addressing failing drainage and roof systems, fixing the masonry and plaster work, and restoring pews and marble floors. If you'd like more information on the restoration efforts, or would like to get involved, Check out OLV's website or follow the Shrine on social media. It is hoped that the next few years of work will allow OLV National Shrine and Basilica to enjoy its next 100. A very special thanks goes to our guests for this episode. Kevin Keenan, President and CEO of Keenan Communications Group and longtime Father Baker fan, and our own Monsignor David LaPuma, Pastor and Rector of OLV National Shrine and Basilica and President of the OLV Institutions. Both of these gentlemen did a wonderful job in helping us bring this story to life. And on behalf of all of those that helped put it together, thank you for listening to this episode of Father Baker Retold. It is our sincere hope you enjoyed it and perhaps learned a thing or two in the process. For more information on Venerable Nelson Baker, Western New York's saintly hero, be sure to listen to our other podcasts in this series or follow OLV Charities on social media. We are grateful for your support. <laughs>